Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you so much for your giving. Now, I probably messed up. Do you guys usually pray at the end? I already prayed over. It's blessed. Amen. Double blessings in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. I'll get on with the program later, I promise. Hallelujah. Isn't God great, guys? I tell you, it's wonderful to serve God and be a part. I want to thank everybody that made it out to the meeting yesterday just to get to know us and hear a little bit about how we want to start communicating and working together as we start laying a foundation for God to build this church. I, I believe we're going to see something really fantastic happen here in this church. So we, we shared with you a little bit yesterday. We have much more to do. I look forward to ministering and talking to each group, like the musicians, the children's workers, and hearing your hearts and finding out how we can better facilitate and serve and help in every facet of the ministry. If you're new today to the church, we welcome you. We're glad you're here. And amen. And if you want to get out earlier, just say amen every once in a while. Just yell, amen, and, and I'll get you out earlier. <laughs> right, you can beat everybody to the Texas Roadhouse Grill and get a good seat. Okay. See? That guy's buying. <laughs> this is a little bit of a different message, and I'll try to move quickly. I'm trying to lay some foundation, and then we'll start some series. By the way, not this Wednesday, because I'll still be on the road, but the following Wednesday, I'm going to start teaching on how to enter into sonship, and, and I'm going to talk to you about the nine gemstones that were found inside of Lucifer's body and the 12 gemstones that were found on the breastplate of the ephod of the uh, high priest, and we're going to look at some things that will blow your mind as God put them there for you. So we're going to teach on those things. We'll just, it'll take us a long time, but we'll have fun. Is that all right? When you bake a cake, which I don't do very often, uh, my wife will conf confess to that, but if you leave out the eggs or you leave out the flour or the salt or the yeast, how many of you know that cake probably doesn't come out right? Right? It doesn't come out right. Because you have to learn to follow the recipe. If you don't follow the recipe, you really can't expect it to work very well. And, and I think that what we're doing in our country right now is we're missing some ingredients that are very, very vital to the health and the rising of our country. And I want to talk about one of those ingredients. There's several I could pick on. I'm not trying to be political at all. I'm actually wanting to preach to you out of the Word of God. But I want to talk to you about the principle of honor. The principle of honor. Um, we in our country are losing that, that ingredient. And it's really, really sad to watch it happen. You know, I, I've been to many, many countries, as most of you know. And I, I'll never forget this one time when I came into uh, Africa. It was in the southern part of Africa, one of the nations there. It doesn't really matter. But when I, when I drove up in the Jeep, you know, they have thousands of people out there. We drive up in the Jeep. As soon as I got out of the door, these people grabbed me, threw me up on their shoulders, and they're carrying me up on top of their shoulders. And they're, they're, they're in their way honoring me. I got to tell you, I felt weird. I, I, you know, I'm not used to, like, if you guys throw me on your shoulders and march me around in here, I'm not going to feel comfortable. Right? It's, it's just not the way I, I, I'm used to doing things. It made me nervous. But I got to say that there was such an honor in those people. They were honoring something. And that night, there were so many miracles, I can't even tell you. Things that were absolutely beyond Human words began to happen. I, it was shocking what God did. And I have to say, it wasn't because of my slick moves. It was because of a people that had honor in their heart. It was the people that brought that out. And so I want to talk to you about that a little bit today. And I want you to listen to Mark 6 as I begin here. Mark 6, verse 1, talking about Jesus. Then he, Jesus, went out from there and came to his own country, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many hearing him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him, that such mighty works are performed by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? So they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country, among his own relatives, and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except he laid his hands on a few sick people and he healed them. Now I personally believe those six people were probably the deaf that did not hear all the comments that were made earlier. 
Verse 2 it said, listen to what it said in verse 2, they were as amazed at the mighty works he had performed by his hands. He, they had heard about what he was doing. Let's put it in our city. They had heard him, what he did in Kingman. They heard what he did in Williams. They heard what he did in Bella. And there's on the way. And they've heard. And they were astonished at the works, the miracles that he had done. But then he gets to them, and he could do no mighty work there. Everybody say the spirit of honor. Our society is becoming so dishonorable and so disrespectful that we've actually released a spirit across our young people of independence, arrogance, and pride. Okay, it's, it's really sad. Dishonor's everywhere. I, you can go to the mall, you can go to the Disneyland, go anywhere you want, and watch the children dishonor their parents. It's an amazing thing. Watch the children dishonor their, dishonor their school teacher or anybody in a position. They dishonor all authority. It seems to be that they're allowed to run free, to say whatever they want to say, do whatever they want to do. They're disrespectful in church. They're disrespectful of, in their schools. They're disrespectful to, to all, 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 anybody in adult. They're disrespectful to, and we see it in the adults, we're disrespectful to, to public servants. We're disrespectful to our police officers, our firemen, uh, to, to adults. We're disrespectful to one another. We're disrespectful to politicians. We're disres Anything that we don't like, we're just disrespectful to it. Okay, it's something that happens. Our text said that Jesus could do nothing at this place. And it was not because he was not capable. He had just been doing miracles everywhere. But it was because they could not unlock him. And the reason they could not unlock him and the power of God that was within him is because they would not honor him. They looked at him and said, oh, we know who you are. You, we, you grew up here in this town. We, we've seen you all of our lives at the high school. and every, you're, the brother of, you're the brother of this guy and that guy, and you're the son of Mary and the son of Joseph. And, and so they, they, they would not honor him. Now, he had been doing powerful things. Are you with me so far? Okay, if you talk to me, we'll get there. But now... Now they're looking at him, and they, they, they know him. They know him. It's like, you know, that's, that's not, that's Ray Ray. That's not Raymond. You know, they, they know him. They know him. They know who he is. And so they're looking at him, and, and it causes a spirit, listen to me carefully, of familiarity to happen. They've become familiar with him. So he was not able to do any works there, even though he was fully able to do works all the time. In other words, listen carefully, he was capable of doing great works. They weren't capable of receiving those great works. There's a tendency in our world to reduce people to familiar, manageable levels. That's what we tend to do, all of us. And so that spiritual, it's a spiritual dishonoring. We take a person and we bring them down to where they're manageable with us. In other words, that's not... And I'm not, please, I'm not trying to elevate anything. I'm, wanting, I'm trying to teach here. That's not Pastor Ray. That's just Ray. It pulls them down to that level. And so we do that in all kinds of things. We don't recognize President Trump. We just say it's Donald. See? We just call him Obama. We bring him down to a level. We bring them down. So we have this tendency to bring people down. All of us do. All of us in this room have that tendency to do that. It's just a natural. But then what happens? One day you need them. See, one day you need him to be Pastor Ray. You need that anointing to flow because your child is sick and about to die in a hospital, and you need God to do a miracle. But you've stopped the miracle because you made him familiar. I'm trying to help you. Because you brought them into familiarity, now when you need that power, the power's not there to be unlocked. You can't receive the power because of how you positioned the person. So if you keep calling him Donald, one of these days you might need something, and that day you'll be calling him president, but it might be too late. Right? I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to tell you to vote for Donald. Vote for Donald. Uh, I'm not trying to... I'm, try, I'm just messing with, I'm just messing with you guys. I'm just messing with you. But see, you, you, could talk, you could talk stuff. You could talk about people and pull them down until one day you need them. See, all of a sudden, one day you need your car fixed, Bob. And then, 
You see what I'm saying? One day you need a drummer, and one day you need this, and one day you need that. One day you need prayer. One day you need a ride somewhere. One day you need a job. And all along the way, you've been familiarizing these people and bringing them down because of a lack of honor in your heart. You've made them your good old-time buddy. And it's not that we can't be friends. We can be friends. But when you, when you familiarize people, you have a tendency to dishonor them. And when you dishonor people, it locks the gift that God has in them from, from you being able to receive it. I'm gonna, I'm, I want you to follow. I'm going to show you this all throughout Scripture. I want you to hear this today. To understand honor, you must understand this. God works through people. God works through people. Everybody say that. God works through people, okay? This does not mean, how can I say, this means, let me put it this way, this means that God is not always going to tell you everything you need to know by dreams, visions, and angelic visitations. Huh? God sent five-fold ministry to teach you and help you and develop you, and they're called to, to, bring, to build our lives. God sends us certain people into our world. Like, like you know, uh, Eric here. Eric is a friend of mine. He's come in today. He, he works with uh, funds and, and different things he, from Edward Jones, okay? I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to highlight you. That guy is from Edward Jones. A little new spot for him. So when, 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 I'm, when, I, you know, when I'm talking to him and I'm dealing with him, I, 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 I don't want to tear him down. I, want to understand, I, need, I need his information. I need what he has. I don't need to go around behind his back talking about him. Because if I do that, when I walk in there, believe it or not, something spiritual will happen. And he'll lock up and not be able to get the information that I need. Are you listening to me? Something starts to happen, something weird. I, don't, I can't explain it all the time, but when you talk about people and you work behind their backs and you do that stuff or whatever, his gift, I need his gift. I need his information. I need what he has. I need that in my life. If I'm working with insurance, I might need Harrison. I need that information. I need that. And so if I'm always downplaying them, I'll never receive the treasure that God has in them. Let me show you, Matthew 13, 44. The Bible says the kingdom of God is like a man who hid a treasure in the field. So that the casual, here's why you hide it. So that somebody walking by doesn't just look over there and say, wow, a treasure. It was hidden in the field so not every person could find it. It was hidden from the casual passerbyer. And then it goes on to say, for the joy of that treasure, he buys the whole field. So in other words, I'm, I'm going through this field the field represents a person's life, human life. I'm going through a, a life. I'm going through my wife's life, Gail's life. And as I'm going through, I find a treasure. And because I found that treasure, I'm excited. And I want that treasure. So now I have to buy the whole field to get that treasure. That means I actually have to marry her and endure her parents. No. <laughs> no, listen. When you, when you get married, you buy the whole package. You get the mom, the dad, the brothers, the sisters, and hope to God, not too many dogs. But you get them all. Right? No, you, you buy the whole field. That's what the Bible says. So here's what I'm trying to teach you. There is a treasure in every person. Every person in here has a treasure in that, inside of them. It's hidden inside of them. Now, you might be sitting next to somebody and not realize that that person has a treasure, a hidden treasure inside them. And you need that treasure. There'll be a day you'll need that treasure. Here's, here's the thing you have to understand. There's a spiritual principle that's hooked to that treasure if you want to unlock that treasure. And that principle is this. Recognition before learning. Recognition before learning. We think that we have to be taught about something before we can experience it. The truth is you can experience something the moment you recognize it, and you'll have to learn about it later. Okay, how many of you have been filled with the Holy Spirit? How many of you can fully explain to me everything about the Holy Spirit? Right, you'll spend a lifetime learning that, right? You're still learning. You've experienced, you've recognized, you know it, but you can't even explain it yet. It's too big for you, right? And so that's what happens. In, in, in God's kingdom, in the way God works, it's by recognition first. Then you learn about it later. You recognize, you have to learn to recognize that's a treasure. I don't know what it is yet, but that's a treasure. And then I'm going to learn about that treasure as time goes on. The Holy Spirit's a treasure. 
Let me receive that treasure. I recognize, let me receive that. Now let me spend a lifetime trying to learn about it. Right? That's, that's what it is. You receive, listen, I, I received my wife 20-some years ago, about 20 years ago, and I'm still learning about it. Right? I'll spend a lifetime learning about that, right? But the, the more I learn, the more the treasure walks out. The more I gain. The more, the, the more love, the more privilege, the more blessing comes into my life. Now, our process is very slow because what we tend to do is we move at the speed of thought, teaching, and training rather than at the speed of recognition and spirit. Did I lose you? What we mostly do is we, 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 we have to learn about something, read about it, Google it, you know, check out everything. You know, you think you know about me because you Googled me online. Look what he did. You don't have a clue. You have to recognize. Amen. Come on, somebody. Talk to me. There's something about that recognition that is super powerful. I just blicked off my screen. There. Now, see, I recognize that was gone. Now it's back. So, so my spirit recognizes what my mind still has to comprehend. Are you following? Talk to me. I don't want to lose you. I, I'm going to go slow enough you catch on. And so your spirit knows things that will take you time to formulate. Like you pull into a bad neighborhood, your spirit says, you don't belong here. But you don't know why you don't belong here yet. You're still looking around. You haven't figured it out, but you know that you don't belong there. Right? You know when you're somewhere you shouldn't be. So if you have to wait till you're taught why, beat up by the robbers in the alley, it's a little late. Right? The idea is to recognize first, respond with your spirit, run, get out of there, and figure out what it was later. Right? So, so you recognize, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You, re, you have to look at people and realize there's a treasure. God, help me recognize the treasure in that person. Help me recognize what you've got hidden there. You, you, you do not learn your way into the kingdom. You recognize your way into the kingdom. Okay? We're talking about the kingdom of God. You, you cannot learn your way in. You have to recognize your way in. Listen to what Samuel said. Samuel 16, 1 Samuel 16, 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, remember Samuel's a great prophet, fill your horn with oil and go up. Now he's sending him to go anoint David to be the king. For I provided myself a king among Jesse's sons. I want you to notice what God did not say. God did not give the age of the son. God did not say if he was the firstborn, secondborn, thirdborn. God did not give a description of the son. God did not give the name of the son. And Samuel never asked for it. Samuel was not concerned about the age, the name, the description, because he was not looking to learn his way into it. He knew that when he saw it, he would recognize it. Are you listening? As, as Christians, as people of God, with God resting in our lives, with the Spirit resting in our lives, we have to learn to be able to recognize something when we see it. Samuel went down the line of the sons. He started at Eliab, the oldest one. Not him, not him, not him. He went down all seven sons. He did not know their rank. He did not know their serial number. He did not know anything about them. He went all the way down through them, and he said, none of these are right. None of these are right. You got another son. Oh, yeah, I got him out in the sheep field. They went out and got David. And when he saw David, he recognized this is the one I've been waiting for. This is the one I've been waiting for. You recognize it. It would be a good thing to recognize somebody before you marry them. Amen. Abraham. Abraham is a great patriarch. We've all heard of him. He's walking out across the desert. He runs into a guy by the name of Melchizedek. And immediately recognizes Melchizedek has a greater anointing on him than Abraham has on him. How long did it take him to recognize it? Immediately. The same day. He didn't have to Google who is Melchizedek. He didn't have to make four or five phone calls to find out what his reference was. It didn't take him months. He didn't have to ask 15 questions. He was able to recognize and know what he was looking at. For generations... Every Jewish male son was taken to the high priest by the eighth day after circumcision. They had to be circumcised. They have taken the high priest to be dedicated to the Lord. Every time what the high priest was looking for was the, was the promised Messiah. The high priest was somebody that was supposed to verify when the Messiah had come. 
So on the eighth day, they take little baby Jesus. Jesus did not have a crown on his head when they took him up there. Jesus wasn't carrying a Bible, didn't have a cross on his neck. This Simeon, the high priest, had held up hundreds, perhaps thousands of little male babies in his arms. But the day that they placed Jesus in his arms, he knew immediately, Jesus was a baby. He wasn't a full-grown man. He, Simeon looked and he said, my eyes have seen the consolation of Israel. I've seen the salvation. In other words, I know what I'm looking at. I don't understand it. I don't know how it's going to be, but I know I'm looking at it. Okay? So all through the Bible, you're going to find this to be the case. Jesus lands on the shore of the Gadarenes. Here comes the demoniac coming out. Thou son of David, have you come to torment us before our time? The demons recognize Jesus the moment he stepped on the shore. Jesus comes back, walks into the temple, and the religious people say, who do you think you are? Are you listening to what I'm saying? Demons understood what they were looking at, but the church folks couldn't. Oh, amen. Amen. Solomon, Absalom were both raised in the same house by the same dad. David raised both of them. One was the wisest man to ever live. The other died a fool. Okay? Both raised in the same house by the same dad. Are you guys with me today? Okay, I I need you to follow this because I want to go somewhere. The principle is recognition before learning. If we have to be taught something before we can experience it, we're going to slow ourselves down to a crawl. Truth is, God will allow you to experience things and recognize things and teach you about them as time goes on. Are you with me so far? You've you got to catch on to this because this is so, so important. My little computer is having a horrible time in here. That's all right. I'm going to have to learn to preach without it, I guess. John and Judas both walked with Jesus, both of them. Huh? Every day for three and a half years, they're with Jesus. They're walking with him, talking with him, sharing with him. He's sharing with them. He's teaching them. And, and, and yet, it's, it's, you have to have the ability to recognize who it is that you're with. Because one of them hung himself. And one of them went on to be great. So I'm trying to say, both of them were there. Both of them could have pulled it out. But they both adhered to Christ a different way. One of them looked at him as a money, uh, somebody to do with money. Judas was all about the money. He was all caught up in it. He couldn't get his mind around away from that. That's all he could think about. And because of it, in the end, it destroyed him. While the other guy was pulling the truths and the treasures out of Christ. You cannot recognize what you can't celebrate. Hmm? Whatever you celebrate becomes magnified. So if I celebrate my wife, I'll magnify her in my life. If I celebrate this church, I'll magnify this church in my life. And the more I magnify this church, the more people will be drawn into it. Right? Try it with your kids. Try tolerating your teenagers and see how long they stay home. Nobody likes to be tolerated. Have you ever gone to a party where nobody wants you there? And you're just tolerating? How long do you stay? I'm going to stay the whole night. No, most of you get out of there. You only stay where you're celebrated. And when people come in and, they, and we recognize that there's a treasure in their lives, that they're special, that their marriages are special, their children are special, when we recognize them and we don't start grading them, oh, yeah, I know them. They've been out. I've seen them for years. You know, they just jump from one church to another church. They're just church jumpers. So we can't mess with them. The moment you do that, you lost the treasure. You just dishonored. Uh-oh, oh, we're getting quiet now. You're going to lock a treasure up. The moment you look at somebody and say, they're black, they're white, they're Native American, they're, they're Peruvian. <laughs> I got my little Peruvian friend on the front row. <laughs> the moment you do that, you lock them up. If I can't celebrate them, I can't receive the treasure that's in them. God has placed and hidden a treasure in every field. Every field. If I want that treasure, I have to buy that field. Right? I got to take the whole field. I got I to gotta bring it into my life. That means I have to celebrate that to draw the treasure of that person out and bring them into my life. It's the same in the church. When people walk in here, if we don't celebrate them and, and love on them and, and care about them, we'll never see the treasure that God has in their life. 
Most churches are mean people, and I'll talk about that some other time. But I have to f- say that most of the people in here I've met are very loving. Amen. Amen. So that's a beautiful thing. But, but I'll tell you one day, wh- and we'll talk, that's another lesson why, why Christians are mean. Anyway. <laughs> you must know that God works through people. You've got to know that. You've got to learn to get past what you initially see, because the field is just full of rocks, maybe scorpions, snakes, trash, but there's a treasure hidden in there. So you got to get past the idiosyncrasies. you got to get past if they're so good-looking that it's intimidating. <laughs> or if they're not so good-looking. <laughs> or how they dress. Do they have a tie? Do they have on jeans? you got to get past the, the, the weird traits. Some people just have weird traits. You know, there's, they do. I've, I've got a preacher friend that I think is one of the finest preachers in the world, but he gags every other, all the way through a sermon. It's like he's got one of those fuzz things in his throat. That brother can preach. If you can get past it, he's got a word. Amen. He's got a word. I, every time I listen to him, I think, wow, man, that's fantastic revelation, but you've got to get past personalities. So to do that, God's kingdom is a kingdom of honor. Everybody say honor. honor. You have to decide whether or not you're going to have a spirit of honor. My honor is not based on your honor. We're not talking about respect. Respect is something that you've earned from me by the way you behaved yourself. I respect you because of how you behave. That's respect. Honor has nothing to do with how you behave. They killed him. They killed Christ. He honored them. Honor is something that's in your spirit. Honor is something that you give out. I give out my honor because I choose to have honor. I live in honor because it's within my own spirit. And when I have a spirit of honor in me, I honor whoever it is, the mayor, the school teacher, the, the guy on the street, the alcoholic laying there in his own vomit, and I'm trying to help him. When I bring honor there, I can unlock the treasure. There's a treasure there. There's a treasure there. You've walked past the treasure for years, but it's there. And, and so if I can honor that person, I, I, might, I might not respect them because of the way the conditioners or whatever, but if I can honor them, I can release that honor in their life, I can receive from them things money cannot buy. Are you with me? Are you, are you learning? So your spirit of honor is what unlocks the treasure. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Let me say that again. Relationships are the currency of the kingdom. Relationships are very, very important. People will make decisions to open or close doors for you based on the spirit they feel coming out of you. Okay? So as a pastor, one of these days, some of you are going to be look, looking to get a job. You'll put me down as a reference. Right? And so, amen. Some of you have had people put you down as a reference. And then all of a sudden you have to decide, do I really want to recommend this person or not? Do they have honor? And the way I'm going to, it's not whether or not you could do the job. Anybody can train you to do a job. I need to know that you're going to be honorable there or you dishonor all of us. So I'm going to look at your honor. I'm going to try to figure out, will this person at least give them their best, do their best. So the currency of your life will be based on how people view your honor. Okay? So if people want, if you want currency to flow in your life, you have to carry yourself in honor. It doesn't really matter what your zip code is. It doesn't really matter what kind of car you drive. It, all that stuff is irrelevant. It, doesn't really, it matters. Your relationships matter. That's what's going to take you on down the road. Are you with me? If you mismanage relationships in your life, you're going to end up in a deficit. You have to learn to manage relationships. If you don't honor the people that God sends into your life, later God will not send the people into your life that he honors. If you don't honor the people that God sends into your life, I don't care what they look like. I'm not worried about the field. There's a treasure. If you don't honor that treasure, later God will not send people into your life that he's honoring. Okay? So the Bible not only teaches us to honor those in authority, the Bible teaches us to honor each other, to honor one another. To, amen. Come on, somebody. Amen. This is very important. Well, Pastor, you just don't know the things I know. If you knew my Aunt Helen. Sorry, Helen. <laughs> Can I tell you the devil's a liar? Yeah. 
Either you honor or you don't. Right? It's my choice. It doesn't matter what she's doing or not doing. Either I honor or I don't. Quit playing games with yourself. Either you're a person of honor or you're not. And if you want to unlock what God has for your life and for your family and for your children, you have to walk in honor. Honor is more than manners. It's more than manners. I can help grandma across the road carrying all of her groceries. I can open the door for her and all that, and I can still do it with a demeaning, murmuring attitude. Silly old woman, what are you doing out here by yourself anyway? Bless God, you ought to be home. I can still do it with a dishonoring spirit, right? Okay. I want you to hear this. Are you guys with me so far? Another, another 10 minutes? Preachers, this is where you have to honor us when we lie. 2 Kings 7, 1, I want you to see this. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Let me read it again. Then Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. So who said it? Elisha or the Lord? Here's the answer. The word of the Lord is locked up in Elisha. If you can't receive Elisha, you're not going to receive the word of the Lord. Amen. Amen. That's the answer to that question right there. So you have to be able to receive the man that's delivering it. So, so well, this thing doesn't matter if you like Elisha. It doesn't matter if you think Elisha's chariot is cool. It doesn't matter if you uh, think Elisha should have got married. Maybe you don't think Elisha should have called she-bears out to kill kids. That's in the Bible. You ought to read it sometime. Yeah, he called she-bears out to eat these two little kids. That's a vicious little prophet. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you like Elisha or not. The word of the Lord is locked up in Elisha. If you don't honor Elisha, you're not going to get the word of the Lord. So listen to what it says. Let me read this story. Then Elisha said, thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a measure of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Now watch this. The royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord should make the windows in heaven, uh, should, should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? Listen to the disrespect. I want you to hear the disrespect. You mean to tell me by tomorrow we're living in famine for three and a half years. We've been locked up, an army all the way around us, no food coming, no food going, and you're going to sit here and tell me, see, he's dishonoring him. He's not listening to the prophet. He's dishonoring him. He just heard what? The word of the Lord. He just heard the word of the Lord, and now he's mocking. You mean to tell me if God does this, blah, 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 okay, by the way, I want you to notice this. Are you still with me in the scripture? No one was talking to the royal officer. No one was talking to the royal officer. The prophet was talking to the king. Flip back a minute. Go back. The royal officer on whose hand the king was leaning answered the man of God. Go back one more. Let me show you this. Elisha said, thus said the Lord. Uh, that doesn't show there. I, where those three dots are, he's talking to the king. Okay? He was talking to the king, and while he's talking to the king, he disrespects the man of God, the, the prophet. Now the prophet is, is, is listening to him. Nobody's been talking to him, and yet he felt because of his position next to the king, he had the right to speak. And he elevated himself, lack of honor. He put himself in a place what he could do. And here's what Elisha says, the next scripture right there. And Elisha said to him, behold, you're going to see it with your own eyes, but you're not going to eat of it. Because of the spirit of dishonor in you, there's a treasury that's coming into this city. There's a treasure coming, and you're not going to get to have any of it because of the spirit of dishonor in your life. Now, listen carefully. I'm trying to teach you a little something. The same word has a different effect on everybody. Some of you are listening today with one paradigm. That's Ray, my cousin or my, my nephew. I'm not being ugly. Others are listening like we're trying to decide if we like this guy or not. Everybody's listening at their own place. Some people are hearing it one way. Some people are hearing it another. This man heard it a certain way. And some people hear it like this. The Lord spoke to me today. I went to church today and the Lord spoke to me. It was me preaching. But the Lord spoke to me. Other people said, yeah, right, sure, buddy. I didn't see the Lord anywhere. 
I didn't see God in that church. I didn't feel God. Who made him God? Who made him God over your life? Okay, it's all the same word, same anointing, same situation, but it's based on the spirit of the hearer. It's based on the spirit of the hearer. So he was speaking to the king. Now let me talk to you for that for a moment. The king is the decision-making, rulership, uh, dominion part of your life. We are made of body, soul, and spirit. Our spirit is our king. It, you're supposed to be led by your spirit. Your soul is your emotions. How many of you know it's not a good thing to be led by your emotions? That's your soul, your emotions, your will, your intellect, and then your body. Your body will get you in trouble every time. So, so here it is, okay? The king is leaning on the royal officer. It's very dangerous for us because most of our lives we've not worked by our spirits. We've worked by our souls. We are so used to our royal officer, our soul, that we lean on it all the time. How did I feel about that? What did I think? How did that affect me? Let me see. If I listen to him, then I'm going to read. And we start reasoning. We start thinking it through. We lean on the royal officer. And guess what that royal officer do? He'll speak to you. And you'll listen to him because you've been listening to him all your life. And you're not, he wasn't even the one spoken to. God never speaks to your soul. He only speaks to your spirit. Hear me now. So perhaps the Lord might say to me, Ray, rise up, get your stuff, you're moving to Flagstaff. My soul says, yeah, well, that ain't happening. I'm living over here at Virginia Beach, baby. I'm out on the waterfront, hey. Nobody was talking to my soul. Nobody's talking to my soul. Perhaps the Lord says, I'm going to bless you and you're coming, and I'm going to bless you and you're going. And then your bank account pipes up. Ain't no way. Nobody's talking to your bank account. God's speaking to your soul, your spirit. God speaks to your, amen. We get so used to leaning on our understanding and on what we know, that we lean on what we know, what we've read, what we've studied, what we've learned, somebody preached to us. We lean on that so long that that's become the voice of the spirit rather than the spirit. The word comes to the king to the decision-making part of your life. The hardest thing to do sometimes is shut down all the noise around you and listen to your spirit. Listen to your spirit, because usually when God's speaking to your spirit, it's radical. Amen? The word, listen to me, the word of the Lord does not give you time to study it when it comes. Ray, Raymond, for my mother, Raymond, you are going to Flagstaff. I don't have time to study that, Google it, think about it. There's a treasure in it. Will I recognize it or not? I have to recognize it. I have to get past what Flagstaff is wearing. Cold winters, crazy people, <laughs> super expensive housing, like rentals, that, like, oh, my God, Right? I have to get past all, I don't have time to study that. I have to recognize, was that God speaking to my king or not? That's the only thing I need to know. Because if God spoke to my king and told me to go, I'm going to be okay. God, God will resource everything. God will take care of me. Okay, but I have to, so Elisha says to this man, you're going to see it, but you won't have it. Now let me quickly go, because I know I'm getting a little long here. Let me tell you the story. They had been in siege Okay, and uh, the army of, of Syrians around them for a long time. No food, no water. They're dying on the inside. You guys remember the story of those little four little leper men on the outside? Four little leper guys sitting down there saying, "Why are, they're stuck between the armies of Syria? They they put them outside the city. They can't get back in. They're just sitting out there in the sand. We're talking Syria, 120 degrees in the sand. They got leprosy. That means they got no skin on their bones on their feet." They are hurting. They are dying. And they said, why are we sitting here till we die? Let's get up and go over there. Maybe the Syrians will throw us some scraps, basically is what's happening. And they start shuffling with their little sore feet through the sand. Four little guys start walking towards the Syrian army, and God takes the sound of their feet on that sand, shoots it into the atmosphere, and makes the Syrian army think that there's armies coming after them. It sounds like armies are coming. The Syrians then freak out that they haven't been paying attention. They get up and they run out of the city. They run. They abandon everything. These four little guys come walking in. Here they are. They look around. There ain't nobody in there. Tamales on the table. 
Navajo tacos on that table. Turkey's on that table. Gucci in the closet. Crocodile shoes so fresh they're still snapping. Amen. Every provision they could ever want, there they are. They can't believe it, but these old boys are good old boys in their heart. They love their God. They love their people, even though they've been mistreated all this time. They kept their honor. They kept their honor, and they decided, let's go back and tell the king. Let's go tell him of this great abundance. So the man on whom the king had been leaning on, the royal officer, is given the assignment. They, they come back. They tell the king, look, there's all this food. The king says, we're going to go get it. We're going to bring it back in. We've been saved. We've been saved. And then he looks to his royal officer, and he says, you hold the gate open. So the royal officer is standing there holding the gate open while all the people are running through with the food, bringing it back into the camp. He got trampled to death. He's laying there. He saw it, but he never got the taste of it. They ran over him and killed him. So what happens to you, my friend? Amen. It's a good story. Are we learning about honor and dishonor? It's a spirit you carry. One more scripture, Matthew 10. Jesus said, he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And he who receives a righteous man in the name of a righteous man will receive a righteous man's reward. And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, you he shall by no means lose his reward. In other words, if you have a spirit of honor, then you can receive a reward. Honor is the prerequisite for unlocking treasures. I'm just waiting on one amen from the Baptist church. You can obey people without honoring. And you can honor without obeying. Oh, you'll listen to me. God will make a treasure in you recognizable to the people you're assigned to. Every one of you have got a treasure in you. Listen to me. If you will walk in honor in your spirit, if you will honor poor people, hurting people, wounded people, flagstaff's full of them, full of them. If you'll honor people, love people, quit dishonoring politicians, quit dishonoring everybody, walk in honor, God says that I will reveal the treasures in you to the people you're assigned to. David here. You know what Goliath was all about? Goliath was just there to reveal David. David was called to be the king. Nobody even knows David. He's out on the backside of the pasture taking care of the sheep. So what does his dad do? Unbeknown. His dad says, look, man, your brothers have been out there on the front line fighting with these Philistines, and I know they're hungry. Take these peanut butter and jelly sandwiches out there. So he runs out there to his brothers with the little lunch sack lunches, you know, gives them to their brothers, and the brothers start mocking him, a spirit of dishonor. They start mocking him. Who, who do you think you are? Who do you think you are coming out here? You, you, you get back over there with those stupid sheep in the wilderness, and, and you go back out there. Who, you, you've got all this pride in your heart to think you can come out here on a battlefield. They had no idea they were talking to the king. Are you with me so far? David could have said, you know what? Forget you guys then. You're going to treat me like this? See your sandwiches? But David possessed honor, and he stayed on his assignment, and he stayed in his purpose, and he recognized that Goliath was the problem. He recognized the treasures in Goliath. I have no sword. I have no spirit. I have no shield. But that guy does, and I'm going to take his, and then I'll have some. Right? And when Goliath come charging him, he took over, and he won. And all of a sudden, the whole nation now knows who David is. Right? Saul also knows. Saul's full of a spirit of dishonor. So Saul says, I'm going to kill that little redhead kid. Someday I'll teach you. He was redheaded. A little redheaded freckle boy. He was. No, the Bible says so. And Saul said, I'm going to kill him. David flees into the caves of Abilam. And the Bible says, and everyone who was in distress, everyone who was in debt, everyone who was discontent, they came to him. So here's David. He gets anointed in private by Samuel. None of these mighty men were present when, when Samuel came there and did it. And, and all, they, all they know is they've got problems everywhere. We're in debt. We've got trouble. Our wives don't like us. Our dogs are biting us. Our chariots don't work. 
We're messed up. But we know one thing, David. You're the next game in town. That we do know. And we know that there's a treasure in you. Not everybody could kill a Goliath like you did, buddy. There's something inside of you. And David, they were drawn to him because they would see, they could see the treasure in him. But David saw the treasure in them. Even though they were messed up, David said there's a treasure hidden in every one of them. And by the time he got done with those 400 men, they were mighty men of God. They were the mighty men. I'm talking about the spirit of honor today. You can draw the spirit out of people. I've preached long today, and you've been honorable, and you've let me go. I try to keep it to 35 minutes, but today, because I haven't been here in a long time, you got it. Sorry, Eric, we don't always do it like this. Are you hearing? I I want you to understand. People out there in Flagstaff are hurting. There's young kids here. They're just trying to find their way in life going to school. It's the first time away from home, so they're sowing their wild oats. They're getting messed up. They're getting tied in with people and soul ties. They're getting pregnant with people they don't even know. Everything's happening out there. They're hurting. When they walk through those doors, they're a treasure. They're a treasure, every one of them. Every one of them. When young couples, when married people come in and they're hurting, they're treasures. When they come in and they're not hurting, they're a treasure. Amen. When the mayor comes in, the mayor don't come in, then we're going to raise up a mayor here in the house. Give us a new mayor. No, I'm just telling you. When the mayor comes in, we respect. We honor. We honor. Well, you don't know everything I know about the mayor. Now you're back down to respect. That's a lower level. I'm talking about honor. Honor's from your heart. It has nothing to do with who they are, how they act. It has to do with your spirit. Right? So you honor the chief of police. You honor the school principals. You honor these people. And God will draw something out of them for you. And God will draw something out of you for them. And the treasures of heaven will be released. Otherwise, you're going to familiarize them all. And you're going to lock it up. Amen. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Musicians, could you come give me a little backup? Uh, Lord knows I need it. Honor is not based on what others do to me. I've been dishonored a lot in my life. It's not based on that. Honor is something that God puts in my spirit, and I cultivate it, and I grow it. There are days, I'm not going to try to fake you out, there are days I'd like to slap the fat out of some people's faces. Yeah, uh, yeah, I have those same days like you do. We all have them. But I hope that my honor will prevail. I hope that I can lift myself to a place of honor. It's either something I possess or I don't. It's either who I am or I'm a make-believe and I'm a pretend artist. I'm challenging this church and everyone in here to honor one another. Hopefully you can respect them, but even if you can't respect them, honor them. The word of the Lord will come through people. It's going to come through people. Oh, every once in a while, God will give you a dream or a vision. 99.999% of what you get from God will come through other people. They'll unlock it in your life. Maybe by words they speak, actions they do, it'll come by other people. Those people are carrying treasures. It's hidden to everybody. It's, you're, if you're a casual passerby of their life, you'll never catch it. Celebrate these people. Don't tolerate them. Celebrate, and God will unlock the treasures. God will unlock it. Now, Father, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your goodness in our lives. I pray, Lord, that we're able to reach hundreds of young couples in this city. We're able to see families strong and healthy. We're able to see our children grow strong and balanced and healthy in a world that's filled with disrespect and dishonor. Help us to find a balance, Lord. I know that a false balance is an abomination to you, God. So help us find our balance in here. Help us learn how to walk out things. No wind to rise up in righteous, righteous indignation. And no wind to hold and stand strong. Be patient. Know when to surge forward and know when to step back. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. God, help us to know those things. I pray for the men in this room. Father, I pray that you will cause men in this room to lead.
to lead. Put a mission in their hearts. It's very hard for the wife to be in sub or under the mission of a man that doesn't know his mission. So God, I pray that you'll place a mission in their heart, a mission that's strong. They know where they're going so that their wives can be helpmates and be healthy and their children can be blessed. I pray that blessing will go all the way to their grandchildren, that you'll bless and bless and bless. Everybody that walks in this place, Lord, I pray they go out blessed. I pray they go out with a little bit of an understanding about something. Let something resonate in their heart today, Lord. I pray you'll let us remember the spirit of honor. We don't just want to lean on the royal officer. We want to let our king hear from you, God. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I do not know everybody, and because of all the corona stuff, I'm trying to be a little bit patient with that. I don't know how much longer I'm going to last. I just don't think Jesus would be as nervous about it as we have been. I'm not, I'm just being honest here. But I don't know everybody in this room. I don't know everybody. And I don't know your condition with God. But I know that there's a time and a place in life where God will just kind of challenge your heart. Now listen, you're not going to understand it all. You're never going to understand it all. That's not the way the work, that's not the way God works. You're just going to have to recognize God's doing something in my life today I did not expect. I don't even know what it is. But I want to recognize that and I want God to help me. We're not asking you to join this church. We're not asking you to say anything to anybody about what those things are. I just want to pray for you before we go. You'd say, Pastor, something's happening in my life and I want to recognize it. I just feel something in my heart. I don't even know what it is, but I feel it. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand up and set it back down. I see hands are going up around the room, all around the room. Anybody else? You'd recognize it? Just recognize it. That's all. Many, many hands. God bless you. Father, you saw these hands. Lord, you saw them. I pray that you will, whatever it is that's happening in their heart, that you will draw out of them the treasure you've placed in them. That you will magnify your favor upon them. That they'll get the jobs that other people were more qualified for, but you're going to raise them up and give them the favor. You're going to favor them and bless them and heal them and help their homes bring home the wayward children, the wayward family. You're going to set people free from alcoholism and drug addiction and perversion of every kind. You're going to minister in these lives. I pray mostly today, Lord, for marriages. I sense, Lord, that there's just a touch and a need on marriages. Lord, let the intimacy come back into our marriages. In Jesus' wonderful name, bless our homes, bless our families. And we thank you for it. And everybody said, amen. Amen. What time is it? It's only 11.25. That's not bad. It's a little long, a little long. We'll get it down. Did you learn something today? Did you learn something today? That's the important part. That's, that's really all that really matters. It's not about, did I deliver it well? It's a matter of, did you understand it when we got done? That's what I want you to understand. Let's be a people of honor, okay? Will you, will you do that with me? Will you do that with me? Work on your honor. Work on your honor. Just keep. When you catch yourself not doing it, not this Wednesday night. Who's ministering this Wednesday night? Pastor Ray is going to minister this Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. The following Wednesday night after that, I'll be back and I'll start with you on the the nine gemstones in Lucifer's body. You'll, You'll never forget it, I promise you. Amen? Can we stand and sing one song of celebration? Is it a celebration song? Good one. Okay, that's what we want. We want a celebration song. We don't want them going out of here just kind of... Yeah, we need, we need, we need, I don't know what we need. We need happy, happy. Hey, yeah, I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay, guys, love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Pray for us on that road, would you? God bless you.